Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to LettermanRow.com. This is Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast, brought to you by Byers Automotive. I am Jeremy Birmingham. That's Spencer Holbrook. Um, it's been a, a good couple hours for Ohio State on the recruiting trail. 2021 five-star receiver, number one ranked receiver, top 10 overall player. Uh, and according to some people who are covering uh, high school football on the West Coast, maybe the best receiver on the West Coast in the last decade. Uh, Ameka Abuka has committed to Ohio State. I was in Stelicum, Stelicum, Stelicum. He told me exactly how to say it, Spencer, and I'm still messing up. Stelicum, uh, Washington, on Thursday to sit down and talk to Ameka. And boy, I know I, I say this every time, but what an incredible kid! And the Buckeyes are just doing such a sensational job finding young men and families that really just fit into the picture of what they're, what they're building. It's, I want to start there because as I've talked to Emeka before. I, I've, I've already kind of had this idea of what he, who he was, but it, for you as really a first time hearing him really talk and seeing what he was about, what did you think? Yeah, he's a pretty impressive kid. And, and uh, the, the film and the, the athletic ability and the receiving ability and everything that comes with playing football at Ohio State is, is there, obviously. He's the number one wide receiver in the country. But to have, you know, consecutive – I think one of our coworkers um, in one of our channels said, it's crazy that Brian Hartline continues to recruit top-flight wide receivers that aren't divas. And, yeah. and it just – that continues to roll with Emeka Buka, and you see it with Caleb Burton coming down the pipeline in 2022. You saw with all four of those guys in 2020, as each of them committed, they just got happier and happier they were going to – be surrounded by competition. It seems like Jaden Ballard and Marvin Harrison are the exact same way, the way they congratulated him on Twitter. Um, it's really impressive. And, and I don't mean to make that an overarching discussion about the wide receiver room because we're, we're, we are focusing specifically on Ibuka, but 
it, it's just impressive to me the way that he continued Brian Hartline continues to go out and find these guys. And Ibuka is no exception. He's as impressive as a kid as you'll, as you can talk to. And uh, I think he fits right in with what the Buckeyes want to do as far as culture and also what they want to do as far as offense. Cause he's a special talent. Yeah. And I thought that the most telling part of the interview with Emeka was basically where he said he has no concerns about the depth chart at Ohio state. And in fact, that challenge and the possibility of, of needing to put in extra work to beat out guys uh, is what was one of his biggest attractions to the Buckeyes. And I, I think that, you know, and we've talked about it on this show before kids that choose the, the easier path to playing time, it is not a knock on them. I mean, you have a, a very minimal amount of time to make an impact in college if you're trying to go on and be you know, a professional football player and make money in the NFL. So it's not like a bad thing to say, okay, well, here I could get on the field definitely as a freshman. Here I could – because those snaps count. Every moment counts. But there is still something pretty different and um, impressive about a kid who, who sees the biggest challenge and intentionally chooses it. And uh, we got a lot more coming. And Emeka talked about the the matrix that he used to create um, a scorecard, essentially, for the three schools he was com- uh, competing for his signature, you know, Ohio State, Oklahoma, and, and Washington. And there's only two metrics where the Buckeyes were the, the worst of the group. And one was distance from home, obviously. And the other was the depth chart. And so he still chose that knowing – that, hey, th- this is what I need to, to challenge myself and to get better. And, um, and I thought that was a, a really impressive perspective from a kid that has really not been athletically challenged in his life because he's always been so much better than everyone else. But let me, let me add on to that because in the video that you did with him when you went out to Stellicum, there we go. There when you, you went go. out Nailed there. It. When you went out there, when you did that video with him, he talked about how he knows what he's walking into and he still expects to come in and compete for a starting job on day one. Like that tells you what kind of competitor he is along with, you know, he doesn't care that he has to go in and compete. He doesn't care that the depth chart is loaded. He's going to be a great teammate. He's going to, you know, work really hard. And if he gets a starting job, he's going to, he's going to take a hold of it because that's just a competitor he is. And I think that goes for all of those guys in that wide receiver room right now. And it seems like, it's only getting stronger. And I think that's really hard to do because of the culture in the room right now, but it seems like it's only getting stronger. And he's just another one of those guys that's going to come in and work really hard. Um, kind of reminds me a little bit, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. He kind of reminds me of Jackson Smith when you watch him on the film. Um, I think that's where the comparison is, but I've also seen Wilson, Olave, you know, any yeah. guy, any guy in that room right now, you kind of can see a little glimpse of it. Uh, but, but it's really impressive that he just wants to come in and compete right away from day one. Yeah, the thing about Emeka, which was a little different, and, and this is where I don't see – like Jackson is an extremely polished and well-rounded receiver, and, and Emeka is that as well. Like there is not really a hole in his game. Like he's not one of these kids that needs to work on hand, you know, catching with his hands or eye discipline or route running. He's extremely uh, elevated in all those areas. But physically, like he is six foot one and 210 pounds – and there is no needing to get ready uh, for college from a physical standpoint for him, which I think is really great. Um, in that respect, he reminds me a little, a little bit more of this 2020 class, like you mentioned, because Jackson Smith and Jigba, uh, G Scott and Julian Fleming, um, 
and I'm not including Mookie Cooper because he's not a true outside receiver threat like uh, th- those guys are. But none of them had to get physically ready for college. They were all uh, different from a just body shape, body style standpoint than a guy like Chris Olave or Garrett Wilson. But um, the comparison that I've heard from people inside of the program are that they think that they see a, a little bit of a combination of Paris Campbell and Terry McLaurin uh, out of out of Mecca from a physical standpoint. What 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 they think he can do physically. Um, and the, the speed and all that stuff is more in that realm. And then you have the off the field side of, of like Terry and the way that he works and the way that his, you know, perspective and, and attitude is. And I mean, it sounds extremely hyperbolic. I understand that. And, you know, this is what happens when the number one ranked receiver in the country commits to a school. People talk about how great he is, but um, you know, for Ohio state, this is, you know, this will be the, what, sixth five-star receiver to commit to. So we got Garrett Wilson in 2019, three of them in 2020. Four, so the fifth five-star receiver to commit to the Buckeyes in the in this 2019 to 22 class combination. It's becoming old hat, but you don't ever want to gloss it over because it is so important that it's not just finding guys that are physically really, really gifted, but finding the guys that fit into the program in the right way. And, you know, we, we sort of went ad nauseum about Emeka in these last few months, because there's so few guys in the class of 2021 to talk about still. Um, But the first thing I asked him when, when I got in front of him in Washington, and this is off the record, not off the record, but off camera, I said, you know, was there ever a moment when it really felt like you were going to end up somewhere else? And the answer was straight up, no. Everything he did, the Oklahoma, the constant, I need to get to Oklahoma, I need to get to Oklahoma, was because he needed to fill in that box for the scorecard to figure out, okay, is there some chance that he goes to Oklahoma and and, and they blow him away, blow him away, and it changes his entire perspective. I guess there was that chance, but it certainly seemed uh, lessened by the fact that he knew he wasn't going to be able to meet with the coaches and that kind of stuff. Um, and and that, I'm not going to say uh, eliminated Oklahoma, but it certainly didn't help them if they wanted to pull off the upset. That said, I did not get the impression from talking to him that there was ever a moment um, because he flat out said there wasn't when it, when it felt like it was really slipped away from Ohio state or that they, they peaked too early. The relationship between Emeka Abuka, Brian Hartline, Ryan day, and the relationship between Brian Hartline and his family was so strong um, for so long that it sort of became almost like not cool to talk about it because it was like, it wasn't something new and exciting but it, it was the undercurrent of the entire recruitment. And so what we saw in the last three months, Spencer, was as Oklahoma and other schools started getting into the mix, you know, th- those relationships were new. And so people were just writing about them and talking about them because that's what you do when you're trying to continue to push a story along. You write about the new chapters. And, you know, I said it multiple times in the last year. If Emeka Abuka was who we thought he was, or if he was who I thought he was from conversations I had had with him, that the things that were being talked about weren't going to matter. 
the the relationship with Caleb Williams wasn't going to matter more than everything else. And yeah. that's, that sort of proved itself out, I think. Yeah. And, and you uh, have developed a pretty decent relationship with him in the limited conversations you've gotten to have with him. I know there's one guy on the West coast who, who has, has really grasped that relationship and been able to talk to him more and knows him a little better than. Well, he lives in buddy. Seattle. It does make it easier. Yeah. yeah. It makes it a little easier for, for them, but uh, he just, everything that you kept hearing was it's either Washington or Ohio state. It's either Oklahoma or Ohio state. And, and the or Ohio state was always the thing that everybody was like, yeah, Ohio state was in really early. And it's like, well, they're still there. And it's yeah. still Ohio state. It's still Brian Hartline. One thing that I continue to go back to when we talk about wide receivers, that Brian Hartline targets, I think there's one wide receiver since he got the job in 2018 that he's missed. And it was Troy Stilato. And And what did he do instead? Went out and got Emeka Buka and Marvin Harrison and uh, Jaden Ballard. So he's got yeah. a pretty good track record of getting the guys that he wants in the building and, and where he wants them and how he wants to get them. He does a pretty good job of that. He doesn't miss. I, I, Keenan Bailey said it best on Twitter. He doesn't miss. Yeah. And so I just think that when you kept talking about this relationship between Emeka and Ohio State compared to Emeka and everybody else, when Brian Harline wants a guy, that relationship is formed and it's sealed. That relationship is so good because he's so good at what he does that it's really hard to discount Ohio State from any recruiting battle that Heartland's involved in. Yeah, this is coming in a story on Monday on the site on LettermanRow.com. Um, I was talking to his coach, Colby Davies, and he said that one of the biggest reasons he chose Brian Hartline to be his future coach was because he knew that Hartline would, and I quote, coach the hell out of him. And his mom, Rhonda Ogilvy, said, she knew that if Emeka did something wrong, that Brian would bust his ass. And like, I think that again, a, a kid with a, a military uh, father, a mom is a former athlete and a IT specialist. Like these are very nitpicky, very particular people, not nitpicky in a negative sense, but people that understand mm -hmm. that the finest details matter the most. And you can't allow yourself to be swayed by what, school you know has has the coolest uniforms or or which guy you like playing video games with the best and so what Emeka told me on on Thursday was that he he knows that now his task is how do you get a better relationship with the guys at Ohio State how do you get a relationship with with Kyle McCord how do you how do you now develop the relationship with the other receivers in the class and I thought it was interesting and again this is stuff we talked about we were you know, hanging out after we did the interview and just, just talking. And, and he said that one of the big reasons why he avoided getting close to recruits at any school was because he didn't want to have the friendships that he had affect him from an emotional standpoint when he made a decision. And again, I mean, I've said it over, he's a different type of kid. He's very, very different. He reminds me of Zach Harrison a lot, actually in the way that he approached the, the process. And he reminds me a lot of, uh, you know, JT Tuomalau, who's obviously the number one ranked player in the country in the class of 2021. And one of his good friends, Emeka said, they, they've talked about going to college together since he was in sixth grade. He says that there's, you know, it's now his job basically to go get JT Tuomalau. Um, and I, I mean, I, he's never been to Ohio State, JT hasn't, but it does certainly provide another uh, interesting layer um, to the recruitment of Tua Malau and, and Emeka's involvement. I think that that involvement 
uh, is more helpful in these next few months if he doesn't end up enrolling early because he'll be at least able to see JT face to face and talk with him. Um, but as far as enrolling early right now, the plan for Abuka is still TBD. He does not know. Uh, he's waiting to hear some some final words from the state of Washington as to what they're going to do with high school football. I thought it was interesting, Spencer, his coach again, Colby Davies, the, the coach at Stellicum, who's been the head coach for four years. So his entire career as a head coach has been built around Emeka Abuka. He, he told, not that it's one way, Emeka loves the, loves the guy and, and has been a, a big mentor. And, you know, um, uh, Colby played at Stellicum as well. Um, he said, he, Davies told me, I told Emeka it's time for him to go. It's time for him to go enroll early, start the next step, because what else can you do um, from a development standpoint in high school? What else can you become here? And Emeka wants to think about sticking around because he'd like to break some records and he's really close to the, all the state of Washington records. And that sounds, you know, I understand that he wants to win a state championship. They lost in the state title game a year ago. He wants to get back and fix that. Um, but I think he'll end up enrolling early. That's my, my, my take on I was, that. I was getting ready to ask that because, because I think if, if he comes in in June and begins work at Ohio state, he could probably still touch the near the top of that depth chart regardless, because he's that kind of a special athlete and, and get in the mix. And they'll probably have a really uh, broad rotation next year in the wide receiver yeah. room. If he comes in and enrolls early, I think he's got a chance to really make, make some ground up and, and push for a starting job next year. I think he's that kind of special athlete. I don't know what the room, the room actually looks like when it comes to what, how Brian Hartline evaluates these guys, but just like the outside looking in, looking at the film, looking at, you know, the way he seems to handle his business, it's not crazy to think that he can't come in and make an instant impact. And if he enrolls early, that makes it all the, all the more easier to do that. Yeah, I mean, that room is obviously pretty deep. Um, we can expect that Chris Olave will be moving out of the NFL after this year. I think that's a fair expectation. So you have Garrett Wilson and Jamison Williams, and then you have Julian Fleming, Jackson Smith, and Jigba G. Scott, Cameron Babb. So there, it's not quite as crazy deep and then you obviously have Jaden Ballard and Marvin Harrison so you're talking nine deep um, at least with top 100 players in, in you know coming out of high school which is pretty crazy um, <clears throat> but again Abuka is certainly not afraid of that challenge I, I think that people will wonder like now that you have three in 2022 after signing four in 2020 what happens to 22 um, where the Buckeyes have Caleb Burton already committed. That's still up in the air a little bit, I think. I, I do believe, Spencer, that the addition of Abuka, barring any further unexpected attrition from the receiver room, would, would make me think the Buckeyes are going to be pretty set on two receivers in 22, um, unless like a third that is a player like Abuka, that type of talent, or like another Caleb Burton type, um, someone ranked – inside that really, really upper, upper crust uh, wants in. So I think that I wouldn't be surprised if you see a movement very soon. We've talked about it in the last couple of weeks already, but Armani Winfield, uh, Keon, Keon Grays, uh, CJ Williams. Um, the, there's a kid down in Georgia whose name is escaping me right now. The Buckeyes are really high on. There's a handful of guys that I think you could see rush ahead to try to lock in that second spot. But I think that for the Ohio State's, sake the goal here is to really kind of stay 
uh, patient and let guys actually get a chance to develop and, and get on campus because this constant, like, Hey, we can't even see people in person thing. Uh, it, it's good from a ranking standpoint, like you see all these highly ranked kids, but you also have to be curious um, and, and wonder like how much of a leap of faith are we taking when you keep accepting a bunch of kids you've not actually had a chance to evaluate in person. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and you've got to be able to balance uh, wanting to get your spots filled and knowing that guys want to commit and yeah. trying to tell them that they can't commit yet while still maintaining those relationships. That's not an easy thing to do. Luckily the Buckeyes have one of the best in the business when it comes to those relationships, like we've already talked about. Um, so it, it'll be an interesting uh, conundrum that the Buckeyes are in uh, coming up here. Yeah. It, you mentioned it. I mean, it's correct. It, once you tell a kid who wants to commit, Hey, not yet. Sometimes the egos get uh, hurt and, and then they start to look another direction just because they think that you aren't, you don't want them in your class, but that doesn't necessarily play out that way. It's not about wanting them or wanting someone else. Um, it's about understanding that there's plenty of time for these kids to, to get back to normal recruiting and being able to see them in person at their high schools, see them at, you know, Kerry Combs talked about it um, on Wednesday or whatever day we had media was Tuesday, Tuesday talked about, you know, how he likes to go to the high schools and talk to the janitors and talk to the lunch ladies and get an idea of who these people are outside of just what they represent on Zoom calls and FaceTimes. And the Buckeyes are missing that opportunity right now. And, it, you know, there is, as I said, a balance that you have to be very cautious because it's easy to fall in love when you don't get to see the big picture, um, you know, for both sides. And that's, that's the simple truth. Um, other than that, uh, I think we can put, for now, the Emeka Abuka recruitment commitment to bed. Um, Spencer, let's uh, wrap up today's show. I'm sure that there's a few other, like, random tidbits, floating questions in the ether. What, what, is, uh, what is Common Man want to know? Uh, Berm, I'd like to, to dive in briefly because we've been going a while here on the show already. I'd like to dive in just briefly on the LSU situation and how that could okay. impact Ohio State. LSU is recruiting at an incredibly high clip, and they're also losing guys at an incredibly high clip right now. Yeah. It seems like all the scuttlebutt is that they're about to lose a few more um, just because there's some, some serious turmoil going on there. I, I don't know if people truly grasp what the situation is down there, but it's, it's, not, it's not great by any stretch of the imagination. I'd like to just get your input on a little bit of what's going on. Well, I mean, we've talked about Rajon Davis, right? And, and the possibility of him end up uh, leaving that class. From the last I've heard, he is not intending to sign this early signing period, which as anyone who watches this show knows, I, my belief is that if you're not enrolling early and you have any doubts about where you're going, then don't sign because things happen uh, very strangely in the end of December and the early part of January uh, in any normal year. And this year it's going to be even crazier. LSU has the off the field stuff going on um, with the recruiting violations, the bowl ban that may not be you know, enough to satisfy the NCAA considering the amount of money that has been talked about that they've been you know, paying kids. Um, then you have, the on the field stuff and how bad that their defense is, uh, which is pretty clear. Bo Pelini is not getting the job done there. Then you have all the opt outs and then you have all of the concerns from players about Ed Orgeron and the way that he supported them uh, during this last summer. Uh, it becomes a very untenable situation. 
Uh, we've even had people, there's some speculation, even the players that are on their current roster, like Elias Ricks, um, maybe looking to leave. And if that's the case, Ohio State certainly would be one of the two or three schools that would be uh, worth watching very closely in, in his potential transfer. I, I've not heard anything concrete about that, so I'm not going to even dive into it, but I, it is rumored, so I, I feel like we should at least address it. Um, certainly the Buckeyes would be interested. Certainly he would be interested in them. That's um, obvious, but he was always all LSU. I mean, the kid never wanted to go anywhere else. So if he's that disenfranchised with what's happening there um, already, that's certainly telling. What does that mean for other guys like Garrett Dellinger um, or Derek Davis, for example? I don't know if it means much, um, especially for a guy like Dellinger, the offensive line. Uh, you know, there's a, a real opportunity to play early at that position in Baton Rouge. There is not at Ohio State the Buckeyes depth um, on the offensive line, despite the fact that fans may look at it and say, oh, how do, how do you know what you have? I think the Buckeyes got a good glimpse of what they have, right, Spencer, last week? Yeah, exactly. I would agree with that. And when you, I, I'm looking at the LSU class right now because because it, it's interesting. Ohio State was in on a lot of these guys early. You know, Rajon Davis, Ohio State's always been been a, a little bit of a rumor there. Uh, Derek Davis, uh, Garrett Dellinger, uh, early in the process, Landon Jackson. You've got like Greg Penn, like was a name that just in general. I think Ohio State offered him. It's not that yeah, Ohio Greg, State will Greg go. Penn, a lot, a lot of people thought Greg Penn would end up at Ohio State, and then the Buckeyes settled on, on taking just one linebacker, and that was Reed Carrico. And then now you have the Ray John Davis stuff. But, yeah, Penn, Landon Jackson never got a chance to visit Ohio State, so it's hard to say. And the way Larry Johnson recruits it, I don't think that's a, real, a reality, blah, 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 reality. Derek Davis, I think the Buckeyes are pretty much settled in the secondary with the six guys they have. Um, there is still some discussion, I think, being had about whether or not if a former Ohio State commitment at cornerback wanted to be back in the class on signing day, that there's at least still a conversation about whether or not they would allow that to happen or if they would just hold off and see what pops in the transfer market, for example, uh, if they wanted to add another corner because they may need someone that's a little more experienced uh, to, to step in and fill some, some playing time next year. But no doubt – um, if you're Garrett Dellinger, if you're Derek Davis, if you're uh, Corey Kiner, the running back from Cincinnati, uh, the Mr. Football in the state of Ohio, like I'm not going to be shocked at all if Kiner ends up signing with Cincinnati next week instead of LSU. Cincinnati right now is a program that looks like it's in better shape despite the fact that LSU won the national championship a year ago. But I think a lot of people kind of thought that they were uh, – it was sort of a one-hit wonder the way that everything worked out last year. Um, it certainly – coming to to bear fruit in that way there's a there's a lot of, of moving parts with this LSU situation and again I just named all those guys because they're all names that Ohio State fans probably know if they're watching this show yeah and so I'm not going to throw out there at all that Ohio State's going to go after any of those guys because currently all of those guys could decommit and Ohio State would still have the number two class in the country and LSU would just fall down the rankings and they would be sat Ohio State would be satisfied with the 21 guys they have yeah, what I mean, I if I'm, if I was, if I'm, I'm going to cut you off real quick because I'm going to throw out a dream scenario for Ohio State. Like if you're talking about LSU, the Buckeyes have tried multiple times in the last few years to get Corey Raymond, the defensive backs coach at LSU. And if there's maybe a guy that, again, this is me just completely creating a scenario. I'm going to be very clear. This is not something I've heard discussed. This is not something that's been rumored. This is me putting on the, the hat of tinfoil 
fan, okay? The, the dream scenario for Ohio State, if you're talking about really pillaging LSU and making a dent in that part of the country, would be that Greg Madison retire and that Corey Raymond be able to be a guy that the Buckeyes go after, move Matt Barnes around, move Kerry Combs around, let Combs focus more on uh, coordinating a defense and learning that part of his coaching tree and having Corey Raymond be your new defensive backs coach. That would, and that would certainly compel guys like Elias Ricks. If he was thinking about leaving, like now you're talking like, Oh, this is, this is what we're talking. I mean, that to me is the dream scenario for Ohio State. But Berm, I'm glad this is buried in the minute number 28 of this show and not at the, the front end because anybody yeah. who's still watching knows that we're getting a little off the rails like we do with the uh, yeah, that's a dream. other videos. That's a dream. I understand it. But I'm saying like if, if LSU, if there's, you know, because maybe, maybe Corey Raymond is upset that Bo Pelini was brought in at two plus million dollars a year to run this defense when Raymond's been there for a decade. I don't know. I'd be, I'd be upset about that. But I'm not speaking for anybody else. I'm just saying I'd be upset. I would, if, I'd be I upset. Would. I'd be upset right now if Bo Pelini put on my school's colors. Like right. that, so, that guy. I'm just saying there's there's moving parts and there's there's so many conversations. I think that people need to understand this about college sports and college football in general. There are conversations about everything. Like everything. We we heard rumors about Jim Harbaugh being wanting to be out of Michigan, what, seven months ago? I mean, you know, that's why we've constantly said, well, maybe he wants to leave. Maybe, and maybe that's why here we are four days before the early signing period and he hasn't signed an extension and kids don't know who their coach is going to be if they sign with Michigan. So their class is, is, is having some, some rocky roads. Um, You know, they're dealing with a lot of transfers. You have all these things going on. And I think bottom line, Spencer, for Buckeyes fans out there, be so, so, happy with where things are inside the Buckeyes program right now. Like don't allow the, if the Buckeyes don't make the playoff this year because of rules and people not wanting to put them in because they only have six wins or seven wins or whatever, who cares? Just be glad about the direction of the program because so many, so many blue blood programs around the country are scraping and clawing their way out of mediocrity right now. And the Buckeyes are just smooth or or dying and trying and paying to try to stay at the top with the program we just talked about. So yeah, it's a, it's a good time to be in Ohio state's shoes uh, as far as on the recruiting front and in the state of the program where they're at. Um, They obviously got stronger. This, I wanted to make one more point about going, just circling back. So we, I'll finish my commentary on this entire show. Sure. Um, we did touch a little bit about <clears throat> there's probably one person who has a better relationship with a Mecca than you, Brandon Huffman for 24 seven. We talked about um, comparisons for Abuka, and I looked on Abuka's page on 24 seven. The comparison is Juju Smith Schuster as a Steelers fan. I watch a lot of Juju Smith Schuster play football, run routes. I watched the film of a Mecca. Wow. Yes. So if you want an idea, if Ohio state fans want an idea of, of what, you know, some people think he could turn out to be and look like, I think that is pretty fair. I, I, I hadn't thought of that yeah. until I see it. Now I think about it. It's, it's very real. And I think that that's a good comparison. Um, and I'll just finish there. Cause I think uh, it's good to circle back on Emeka. I agree. Uh, Emeka Abuka is number 21 in the class of 21 for Ohio state, five-star receiver, number one receiver in the country. Um, I always like to 
you know, we're, we're talking to Buckeyes fans here, Chives, you know what I'm saying? So I like to make sure that I'm giving them a Buckeye to Buckeye comparison, which is why sometimes you have to combine people to get Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, but hey, we're good. Um, that is Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast brought to you by Letterman Row uh, and Byers Automotive. Uh, we'll be back probably Tuesday or so with a breakdown of the offensive signing class for Ohio State. And then Thursday, we'll hopefully have a defensive signing class for Ohio State, um, knowing that it's not complete because the recruitment of JT Tumala is going to go on for months and months. Um, but overall, the Buckeyes have the number two class in the country. That's probably where they're going to finish, uh, if I had to guess. But time will tell. Thanks for watching, everyone. Thanks for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe, leave us a comment as long as it's nice. You know, turn on your notifications, all those good things. Make sure that we oh. are talking stuff to you whenever you want to hear it. Oh, five-star reviews help us out on Apple Podcasts a lot. They they help us Do move they? up the alg- they help us move up the algorithm a little bit. Oh. If you if you like the show, five-star review, comment, maybe uh, even uh, w- maybe we could do like a our Q and A thing. Maybe we could even grab from the mailbag from the. Uh, I would love to do that do from that. the uh, Apple uh, reviews or anywhere else. So yeah, um, you know the the bottom line here, Spencer. I think what you're trying to tell people is we want to interact. We want them involved. So you know, let us know how you're feeling. Let us know what we're doing well. What you'd like to see us do more of. Um, because really, ultimately, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for all of you. So thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. See ya. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if you're first bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text HOPE NY in New York.